0: Day 5 of Totus Tous' Novena to St. Joseph, with quotes from Blessed John Paul II's apostolic exhortation, Redemptoris Custos. Journeying to Bethlehem for the census, in obedience to the orders of legitimate authority, Joseph fulfilled for the child the significant task of officially inserting the name Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth. In the registry of the Roman Empire. This registration clearly shows that Jesus belongs to the human race as a man among men, a citizen of this world, subject to laws and civil institutions, but also savior of the world. Origin gives a good description of the theological significance, by no means marginal, of this historical fact since the first census of the whole world took place under Caesar Augustus, and among all the others, Joseph too went to register together with Mary, his wife, who was with child, and since Jesus was born before the census was completed. To the person who makes a careful examination, it will appear that a kind of mystery is expressed in the fact that at the time when all people in the world presented themselves to be counted, Christ too should be counted. By being registered with everyone, he could sanctify everyone. Inscribed with the whole world in the census, he offered to the whole world communion with himself. And after presenting himself, he wrote all the people of the world in the Book of the Living, so that as many as believed in him could then be written in heaven with the saints of God to whom be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. As guardian of the mystery, hidden for ages in the mind of God, which begins to unfold before his eyes in the fullness of time, Joseph, together with Mary, is a privileged witness to the birth of the Son of God into the world on Christmas night in Bethlehem. Luke writes and while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Joseph was an eyewitness to this birth which took place in conditions that, humanly speaking, were embarrassing. A first announcement of that self-emptying which Christ freely accepted for the forgiveness of sins. Joseph also witnessed the adoration of the shepherds who arrived at Jesus's birthplace after the angel had brought them the great and happy news. Later he also witnessed the homage of the magi who came from the east. A son's circumcision was the first religious obligation of a father and with this ceremony, Joseph exercised his right and duty with regard to Jesus. The principle which holds that all the rites of the Old Testament are a shadow of the reality serves to explain why Jesus would accept them. As with all the other rites, circumcision too is fulfilled in Jesus. God's covenant with Abraham, of which circumcision was the sign, reaches its full effect and perfect realisation in Jesus, who is the yes of all the ancient promises. At the circumcision, Joseph names the child Jesus. This is the only name in which there is salvation. Its significance had been revealed to Joseph at the moment of his annunciation. You shall call the child Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. In conferring the name, Joseph declares his own legal fatherhood over Jesus, and in speaking the name, he proclaims the child's mission as Saviour. This rite, to which Luke refers, includes the ransom of the firstborn, and sheds light on the subsequent stay of Jesus in the temple at the age of twelve. The ransoming of the firstborn is another obligation of the Father, and it is fulfilled by Joseph. Represented in the firstborn is the people of the covenant, ransomed from slavery in order to belong to God. Here, too, Jesus, who is the true price of ransom, not only fulfills the Old Testament rite, but at the same time transcends it. Since he is not a subject to be redeemed, at the very author of redemption, the gospel writer notes that his father and his mother marvelled at what was said about him, in particular at what Simeon said in his canticle to God, when he referred to Jesus as the salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel and as a sign that is spoken against. After the presentation in the temple, the evangelist Luke notes, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. But according to Matthew's text, a very important event took place before the return to Galilee, an event in which divine providence once again had recourse to Joseph. We read, Now when the Magi had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child, to destroy him. Herod learned from the Magi who came from the east about the birth of the King of the Jews. And when the Magi departed, he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under. By killing them all, he wished to kill the newborn King of the Jews whom he had heard about. And so Joseph, having been warned in a dream, took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfil what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt have I called my son, And so, Jesus' way back to Nazareth from Bethlehem, passed through Egypt. Just as Israel had followed the path of the Exodus, from the condition of slavery, in order to begin the old covenant, so Joseph, guardian and cooperator in the providential mystery of God, even in exile, watched over the one who brings about the new covenant." From the time of the Annunciation, both Joseph and Mary found themselves, in a certain sense, at the heart of the mystery, hidden for ages in the mind of God, a mystery which had taken on flesh. The Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. He dwelt among men, within the surroundings of the Holy Family of Nazareth one of many families in this small town in Galilee, one of the many families of the land of Israel. There Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospels summarize in a few words the long period of the hidden life during which Jesus prepared himself for his messianic mission. Only one episode from this hidden time is described in the Gospel of Luke. The Passover in Jerusalem, when Jesus was twelve years old. Together with Mary and Joseph, Jesus took part in the feast as a young pilgrim. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. After a day's journey, They noticed his absence, and began to search among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Mary asked, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. The answer Jesus gave was such that they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. He had said, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Joseph, of whom Mary had just used the words, Your father, heard this answer. That, after all, is what all the people said and thought. Jesus was the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. Nonetheless, the reply of Jesus in the temple brought once again to the mind of his presumed father what he had heard on that night twelve years earlier. Joseph, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. From that time onwards, He knew that he was a guardian of the mystery of God, and it was precisely this mystery which the twelve-year-old Jesus brought to mind. I must be in my Father's house. The growth of Jesus in wisdom and in stature, and in favour with God and man, took place within the Holy Family under the eyes of Joseph who had the important task of raising Jesus, that is, feeding, clothing and educating him in the law and in a trade, in keeping with the duties of a father. In the Eucharistic sacrifice, the Church venerates the memory of Mary, the ever-virgin mother of God, and the memory of St. Joseph, because he fed him whom the faithful must eat as the bread of eternal life. For his part, Jesus was obedient to them, respectfully returning the affection of his parents. In this way, he wished to sanctify the obligations of the family and of work, which he performed at the side of Joseph. Let us pray. Saint Joseph, guardian of Jesus, and chaste husband of Mary. You passed your life in loving fulfillment of duty. You supported the Holy Family of Nazareth with the work of your hands. Kindly protect those who trustingly come to you. You know their aspirations, their hardships, their hopes. They look to you because they know you will understand and protect them. You too knew trial, labor, and weariness. But amid the worries of material life, your soul was full of deep peace and sang out in true joy through the intimacy with God's Son entrusted to you and with Mary, his tender mother. Assure those you protect that they do not labor alone. Teach them to find Jesus near them and to watch over him faithfully as you have done. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.